0: Hi, everybody, and welcome. Today, we have a returning guest. We have Nara, who is here with her mom, talking about their story of adoption. Um, And today, I want to delve deeper into Nara's story of how she was able to embrace her ADHD, her background, her story, um, to be standing in her light today. Um, Nara, you have been such an inspiration to me, and I have learned so much from you, and your willingness, I guess, to really um, kind of be completely honest and attuned to who you are and embrace it and show up with it and like do the hard stuff. So I would love to hear um, about what that's been like for you and how you got to where you are now.
1: Well, first of all, Masi, you're just as much as an inspiration to me. Thank you for having me back. Um, It takes a, a village, as they say, to do this stuff and you're a part of that tribe and NHA tribe. So thank you for what you do and putting your voice out there. So, um, so to answer your question, I was thinking about this earlier in the week and kind of been pondering what I wanted to say. And I actually have to go back a little bit because I was thinking about labels and I was thinking about the Global Summit talk that I did about ADHD. And to answer that, I really have to go back to labels because I actually didn't know I had ADHD until I was in my mid to late 20s. Um, so I went through most of that time not really understanding why my brain was doing what it was doing. Um, but prior to even knowing that, I had all these other labels that were kind of attached to me. Um, so I was a kid you know, that was loud and obnoxious and all this other stuff. I was adopted. I had some trauma history from growing up in Russia. and like there was all these things that were kind of stuck to me. you know, I was stupid in school. I had an IEP special ed kid, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I was thinking about that. And I think ADHD, weirdly enough, was like the catalyst to help me with that acceptance piece. Like I wasn't, I was not the person I am sitting in front of you. Um, and I was kind of a like a chameleon, I guess. Like I just kind of blended in with whatever I needed to be. Um, so when I got the ADHD diagnosis, I was like, great, another label. Are you kidding me? Like I, it just was, it was so like almost soul crushing to me. And I remember sitting there in front of my doctor going, I'm literally just a list of words to somebody like I'm not even a person. And it was just like your face. It was like I just felt so defeated. And I was like, really, just another label. So that was kind of the beginning of like, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. Um, And my mom, Dorothy, who's also an advanced trainer, she went and did NHA. I was in high school. I didn't really buy into it at that time. And here I am like in my mid 20s. And I was like, there was something to this NHA thing. Like, I'm going to have to baby step my way back out of this hole that I was in in my 20s. And that's kind of how it started. Um, So I got on medication. And I know that's a kind of a hot topic. But what I want to say about that is like, I needed the medication. I mean, it was like a night and day difference. I went from barely making it through high school and parts of college. And I've now graduated with a 4.0 GPA with a master's degree. And not that medication did all that, but it, it helped me organize my brain and all those symptoms, impulsivity, not being able to organize, hyper focused, all these things that people kind of know about ADHD. It shows up differently in women. I'm going to say another hot thing. It's just, it's und- underdiagnosed in women because it shows up different. And I was one of those statistics. And so having that like understanding and education was really the beginning bit of it. But it was actually really NHA. And the inner work of that, of like baby stepping my way into that acceptance that I think made all the difference. Um, and I started small. Like if I got out of out of bed up and, you know, did everything in my calendar that day, that was what I recognized myself for. If I was off track, it was a forgiveness thing. That's my, one of my favorite things about NHA. It kind of gives you that reset. Um, and then I had to find things that worked for me, you know, in terms of being able to navigate my day. And you know, my brain was now different on medication. I was a different person. I had done a lot of therapy. So what did that mean? Like I kind of had a crisis at 25 um, of what does that all mean now that I'm doing what I'm doing? Um, And I really think it was just recognizing that I wasn't my symptoms. I don't know if that makes sense to put it that way, but I I had to start like almost unidentifying with those things that I had been my whole life. Wow,
0: that's incredible. And thank you for saying it all as it is and all the hot topics. Like you said, something that I love so much that you said that jumped out at me is that idea that on a day that you got up and you did everything on your calendar, that was what you recognized for the day. You know, I got up and I did everything. I was so efficient and effective and everything. And then on a day that you didn't, then it was the greatness of forgiveness that you were able to have compassion for yourself and hold space for the fact that you're human and you're not, you didn't do everything you would have liked to do. And that that's what you get to recognize. And that like, it's a duality, but it's not because it's also just the singular focus on, I am going to believe in my beauty and my greatness. I'm going to believe in my, um, in my being on purpose and all of me and everything going on being on purpose. And I'm going to believe in, seeing what's right about me and energizing that and so wherever and however and whatever that looks like that's where I'm gonna be um and I'd love to hear like within you like how did that start to change or like what was it like inside your brain or heart before you were speaking to yourself that way and like how did that kind of change what was going on inside
1: well I think it was like almost like a reframing because all those things like being disorganized and time management problems and like hyper focus and being restless and like execution. Like I know the steps. I know what I want to do. Not always the right order of how I need to get there. Um, And it's interesting that you pointed out this purpose piece because part of what was happening for me, it was like, I think all those other labels kind of stripped me from that in my twenties. You know, and that's kind of actually how this greatness journal came to be weirdly enough that I now have. Um, and essentially what it is, I kind of didn't know that I was using this in my own head, but I ha it's a chart and it's like, I'll read from it. It says like, recognize and reflect, claim a greatness for the day, greatness that you, uh, that was seen in you by others. Like if you're doing this in a family and intention for the upcoming week. So that was kind of what I did with myself. Um, And it was just that understanding again that I wasn't my labels. um, And that it really, those labels actually cost me myself and my acceptance, I think is what I would say. It cost me that inner wealth. Like I just didn't have it um, just because of the way that my life had been. Um, But it was just like those little deposits over time. And there were people that also helped out. It wasn't, this was not a singular journey. Um, I had people around me that also were supporting what I was doing. And I think that's important to, kind of mentioned because this isn't I didn't just do this on my own. Um and it wasn't always pretty. <laughs> that's the other thing. It was really hard at times. There were times that I did not want to go and do the thing and, you know, NHA myself and Sarah myself. Like there were days I did not feel worthy of it, but I did it anyway. And I think that's the thing I also like about NHA is it it makes it easier to stick with because there is that framework. And as someone who has an ADHD brain, I have to have a framework. So I think it was consistency of that. And just like, I'll claim it right now, self-commitment. That's what I would call it. I just didn't give up. Um, and over time, like it, it started to kind of seep in and I found ways to navigate my life differently. And, um, you know, saying when I'm not doing well, I think it's just being honest about what is, as you said. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't always me, though.
0: For somebody who's now struggling with that idea of, I, I'm this and I'm that, I'm the other, you know, all my lists, Um, I think so many people can relate to that and in different ways, even if it's not diagnosis or traumas or past, you know, stories, it's labels of like shoulds or roles or like, but I have to, because I'm a mom, but I have to, because I'm a teacher, but I have to, because I'm a this, because I'm a that. And it's like, life is all being told to me. Life is all put on me versus like, what do I want? Or where do I go? Or who am I? You know? So I, I'm, I'm curious, like, if you could answer to who are you then, you know, like, so that was you, or or at least that's who you thought you were. That's how you lived. That's how you operated. That was your definition. And now through this work, you say things have shifted. So like, who is Nara? How did you find her? And what does she look like? You know?
1: Well, I never I'll be honest, I never thought I would be doing NHA in this capacity. I never thought I was gonna write a book like ever in my life. Like that was I'm a poet by nature. And I, you know, but I never thought I would put it out here in the world. I never thought I'd do any sort of public speaking. Like that's a new thing for me. Um, So taking risks, I mean, I've taken other risks in my life, but this is different. Um, And I think for me, I really keep, like you were talking about other people, I have to know what my stand one is, what my stand two is and what my clarity is. So if it doesn't fit within one of those categories, and it's the same thing with the medication, I will stop taking medication the moment that it doesn't allow me to live out what I want to do and my purpose. The medication doesn't get the credit. I think as Howard would say, I get the credit, but the medication helps me live in such a way that I can then live that greatness out loud and my purpose out loud. And if that's not happening every time I go to a med check, my doctor and I are going to have a different conversation. Maybe it needs to be a different dosage. Maybe it needs to be a different medication. And I really have to catch myself and reset all the time of like, This is how it needs to be done, or this is what I should do. Um, And that's hard with like society, you know, bombarding all of us with all those messages. But it's having that like self clarity and those like one, two and three stands and then being able to communicate that with people around me in a compassionate, but like kind of firm way. Um, And it's okay to say no. Like I've learned that now in my 30s and that's really hard to do. Um, So, you know, I'm a person that's just like everybody else. I'm figuring it out as I go. Um, and it's not perfect. And, you know, I'm funny, I'm intuitive, I'm creative. um, I'm all these different things. Like it's so many more labels than what's under this umbrella of ADHD. And I think I'm still discovering those things um, as I go. Um, But yeah, I'm just me and I'm I'm learning to love
0: every facet that there is. Oh, I love that so much. Yay. (laughs) um and I, I i also like i feel that stand 1 stand 2 and stand 3 it's almost like that idea of that beginning of i'm not my labels i'm not my mm-hmm. you know list is that stand 1 absolutely no like i refuse to limit myself to just being all these problems that need fixing or all these problems that need to There's not bother always something going really right there it is, is. Yes. And then that stand too is like, okay, well then, who that gives me permission to then find out like, well, then what's here, you know, and absolutely seeing that right stuff and absolutely appreciating it and going with whatever it is, that forgiveness or that, you know, efficiency. Um and then that clarity of um this is the way I want to live and I have a right to do that. Like I have a right to be happy with who I am. <laughs> I have a right to like who I am. I have a right to be okay with who I am. And I have a right to live out how I, the life I want to live as I am with all of it and do what works. Like you're saying, medicine's helping. I deserve help. I'm allowed to have help. It, like, it doesn't have to be hard, you know, and it's not helping. Okay, then goodbye. I don't need to listen to anybody you know who's telling me otherwise it's that permission to turn inwards and say no this right here this is this is who I am this is what I get to live by um yeah. so tell me a little bit about you you kind of touched on it a drop some of that pushback it sounds like from just as you're kind of evolving into this full permission to be you and do what you want and take these risks and maybe show up differently in the world um kind of gaining your voice and your no. Is there pushback? Was it hard? Did you have, you know, what was that like?
1: I mean, I think it depends on the domain that it's in. But one thing that I've kind of learned through just fumbling, uh, I'm I'm the greatness of fumbling through this, um, is the clearer that I get, it helps other people around me. So even if there was pushback, I don't know if it was so much pushback as people realized that maybe I was different. And so what does that mean for my relationship? Because that's what NHA is. It's a relationship model. Um, and so I think it was more of a reorientation for me and the people in my life. And what does that mean and how we interact? I don't think it was I think the pushback, honestly, was probably more for myself, um, you know, because I'm my worst critic, as a lot of people probably can relate to. Um, But I think it was more of a reorientation point. And then the people that no longer, let's say, fit in my life, they kind of fell away. Um, My relationships are healthier, I'm healthier. And I don't have that kind of yuckiness behind what that looks like. You know, it just it needed to fall away in the way that it did. And being able to recognize those tough relationships and giving them recognition, even if I'm not telling them what they are, I can now have that lens of like, this is what's still great about that person. Um, there may not be good for me and in my life, but this is how I I'm choosing to to make that choice and um, not feeling bad and guilty about that. Because, again, I need to be the priority and still be mindful of the relationships around me. But if it's not working, it's not working. Um, so not really. I don't think it's pushback. I think it's just a reorientation of what used to be for me and what that it's still unfolding. It's not it's not a finite. End point. I'm still figuring it out as we sit here. So, yeah.
0: Could you give us an example of like that, what that could sound like? So for me, I kind of like use
1: a formula because it kind of works with regardless of the relationship, the way that I speak to my mother is going to be very different than I, the way that I speak to my boss in terms of the specifics. But for me, I always start with I statements, what it is that I need, or am looking for, or like what needs to happen, um, even if they are not the ones to meet that need, but I'm letting them know. Um, so X is happening. I need, or you know, this is what I, and this is this is the time frame of which that's going to happen. And I give the time frame for someone like myself with ADHD for that H- accountability factor. And then when a person, let's say somebody is pushing my boundaries and I've said no, I can then go back and reference. Remember when I gave you, you know, remember when we talked about XYZ and I needed this, and this is what I, please, please respect that. And if you can't let if for some reason they can't, letting them know what the consequence is to use NHA language, not in a mean way, but you know, when I say I need to get off the phone and you wanna keep talking and I keep saying I need to go, I'm gonna hang up and say, I'll talk to you later. And it's, I mean, that's a very benign example, but it's it's clear. And I think it's knowing that clarity and then there are times um, maybe I think I know what I want and then it's changed or maybe I've gotten more clarity. I feel like it's in my responsibility to go back to that relationship and say, you know what, I told you this, but really what I what I need now or, you know, I've recognized that this has shifted for me. Again, those I statements and being able to communicate that and say, you know, apologies if they're needed. Um, and I think that helps people open up to to be open to have that conversation. Um, and I had to learn how to do that. This is not something that it was natural to me to to speak in this way, um, as my mother will probably tell you if she watches this. Um, but that's, that's what I have learned, that I need that kind of formula so that I can navigate my relationships with people.
0: Yeah, that takes so much courage to step up to somebody and just be like, hey, <laughs> you know, I've been thinking and this isn't, you know, this is like you said, this is going that with me.
1: That's the thing. I've had people not come up with, you know, to me before in the past, maybe they were afraid of how I was going to respond or get angry. And now I've seen over the last couple of years, people will kind of tiptoe and be like, hey, now I want to bring this to your attention because now they know I'm not maybe going to completely blow up or be whatever, you know, like, so it's, it's also giving that time and space for people to come to me and say, give them the same permission, which that's what I've come to appreciate. It's even if I don't agree or, you know, there's tension, it's still almost like loving tension in a way, you know, cause yeah. I know, I know what the, my core values are around that and that person. So,
0: yeah. If yeah. I would like kind of try to say like what that is, I would say like, It's a focus on myself instead of on the other. And so both for the clarity and what I need and where I'm going forward and what I'm going to do it's focus on me. And then also them coming to me with something, it's a focus on me. So I'm working on receiving what they're saying and I'm working on seeing, you know, does that resonate? And also that's their experience. And how do I want to come? But it's not this reactive or outward focused, like everybody else needs to. It's a lot of reflection, yeah, a lot of inner reflection and ownership of like this, you know, of of this me in the world and how I'm showing up. Such a beautiful way to live. So I'm wondering if we can backtrack to before that boundary setting, before I'm going over to someone saying, "Hey, this is what's going on." You know, what does that process look like to get to that clarity? Like maybe there's uh, maybe you're feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I can speak for myself. Usually, what happens for me when something needs to change, I'm starting to feel resentful, or I'm starting to feel really like a tired. That's like a bone tired, like an emotional tired, or like everything, like just so. um, What's the word? Like empty. Like um, like zero resources. I don't know the exact words not coming to me, but just so like like I can't. I don't have anything, you know. And then it's like this. So what does that look like to from the like? How do you? What do you realize is what, 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 what's the catalyst for change? How, and then how do you process what that change needs to look like? How do you get there to that clarity?
1: Well, it's funny that you say you feel empty. Cause for me, um, my brain is so full all of the time because I have so much stuff going in on and in, in it. Um, so for me, that's what I look at. Like, it's almost like a pressure feeling and it's like, I don't have any more room to like deal with what's happening or this isn't sitting right with me because maybe I am getting more upset more easily or more impulsive or more just, you know, short fuse. And so ironically I have to kind of almost gauge my own responses. um, And that's kind of like my, my little radar of saying, you know what, something's not right here. And I've gotten better at letting it be less time before it gets to that heightened point um, so that I can address, address it sooner. Um, but again, these are all things that ironically ADHD gave me as a tool, um, because I got to understand what those different labels were in my ex- experience of that. Um, and I think that's a part of ADHD that doesn't get talked about that emotional regulation piece, um, because it's chemicals in your brain, you know, it's going to affect you. Um, so having that awareness and reading the radar, um, for me was like, I sometimes would have to sit down and not have anything else in front of me so that I could figure out what I needed to do and not multitask, you know, as much as I want to. So yeah, it's it's a I have to make myself stop and pause. I think is the main thing, and being able to recognize that that's what needs to happen.
0: And then in that pause, do you just kind of hear what the clarity is, or is there a process of getting to like? No, what or needs- I go by.
1: Yeah, I go by like again. What are my values? What am I looking? for what it is that I need I mean it's going to be different in any situation but it's really coming back to those I statements of like what is it that I'm missing or maybe what is too much what do I need to let go of Um, and those are kind of my go-to questions for myself Um, and then figuring out in that NHA lens and almost I do a Sarah if I need to as a starting point like Okay, what do I see that's happening? What do I appreciate about that? What does that reveal? And I do that for regardless of who's involved, if it's a me thing or somebody else. And then that helps get me to that clarity point. So then I can communicate, you know, whatever it is I need. Um, and yeah. it takes longer to explain it than it does to do it. Because, <laughs> you know, it's repetition. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of the process that I, that I use.
0: Nara, it's such a beautiful way to live because it's so... <sighs> I don't know the right words for it, but it's so responsible, Like, but responsible, not in like just responsible. Like it's, it's, if it's, it's reflective and it's internal and it's taking ownership of my place in the world, my choices in the world, my side of the street, my paper, like, This is it, but so at the, at, on the one hand, it's respectful of others because it's not putting, it's not being a victim and putting them in charge of my happiness or my okayness or my security or my safety or my pleasure or whatever, you know, it's all on me. But on the other hand, it's also loving to myself. It's, it's a statement to how much you've really embraced yourself as a worthy being. Like, it's a certain self-worth of, like, I matter and I'm going to take space to figure out what's going on here because I matter, because what I want matters, because I want to be intentional about my life, because I deserve to live a life that's aligned with who I am, with what I want, with my values, with with my, with my intention, with my future. Like, I can pause because I'm worth that time and space. I feel like a lot of times when we don't take that time and space, it often comes from this feeling up frenzied or, or pressured feeling yeah. of, I can't, there's too much on my shoulders. There's too much going on. I just have to keep trucking, you know, and then there's more resentment and more pressure. But that sense of like, Whoa, I don't feel good. I'm going to stop here for a minute and figure this out is self-worth is loving myself is taking that time for myself. So you are just like literal blossoming transformation of like such a, like you, you are Nara and you love Nara and you're owning Nara and we are all benefiting from it. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us, your transformation, being honest with all the different parts of how it looked. And you said it was a risk for you to start public speaking. And here you are on this podcast doing a recorded interview. And please tell us, because I know you mentioned before you wrote the journal. So guys listen to what Nara's put together. And um, this is a resource that you can use to have a a similar transformation for yourself.
1: So this is the Greatness Journal and there's the camera and um, my mom and I cre- co-created this out of a time in my life. And um, as some of you might know, um, my boyfriend at the time, her and I were under the same roof and we all didn't get along and we had to baby step our way. So eventually it came into this book and the intention behind it, it's it has its own format, like I read. But this is really meant to be used the way that you want to use it. I use it with myself still. People can use it in families. You guys can adapt it. But the the intention behind it is to see that there's always something going right. There's qualities of greatness all the time. And we are so busy in our lives that we don't take the second to recognize it and to sit down. And it really takes out that for us. It took out that tension in the house so that we could start communicating. So um, it's on Amazon. I'll give musty the link to to use. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's a recognize and reflect. And again, claim your greatness, greatness seen in you by others. And I, the reason why we put that is as someone who did not believe in her, her self-worth and didn't believe anything that was told to her, it really helped to have other people give me that feedback of like, you did this today that maybe I didn't even recognize. And I still have the original greatness journal. And it's like from whatever year it was. And now I can say, look back and say, yeah, I was compassionate or yes, I, you know, I can now own those qualities. But in the beginning, if you're just starting out and you maybe you have a teenager where it's just chaos in the house, this, this saved us, <laughs> you know, um, and it was, it's a good little history. It's like having a little time capsule of where you come from. So, and what, what the journey has been. So Amazon, I will give Musi the link. And it's been, it's been crazy what this book has done for people. Um, people have reached out and it's just they're using it in ways I never thought they would. Um, I'll give one really quick example. I had someone reach out, they work at a, um, like a um, transitional housing for youth that are pregnant and their families. And they started using it both with the pregnant mothers and their families for like a month and through their preg- like the last bit of their pregnancy. And someone had reached out to them after the, um, the baby was born. And they were like, I got to look through the journal and like, I'm a different person than when I started again, I never, my mom and I never thought that that's where this would end up. So just even just hearing from people how they're utilizing it, like any increment of better, whatever that might be, and of inner wealth that we're able to give people giving themselves, that's like why we wrote it. And so this book has been like, it's because of this journey that it happened. So um, my mom and I, I have to give her credit to like, we have been through it. And this would not be without both of us and our commitment to each other in NHA. So thank yeah. you
0: for having and me. This is awesome. If you haven't watched the, um, the interview with her and her mom, go back and watch it because the transformation of this incredibly self assured, confident, like happy with herself, Nara, like is such a, it's such an incredible testament to what this work could do the power of this work. I mean, it's, it's amazing that we, and you audience, like what, what you can have, what we can have. Like, I know I didn't have self-worth and I do now, you know, it's really possible. It's not just a band aid or a fix or like feeling a little bit better. It's changing how we view ourselves to the point that we live in the world. So happy to be here. (laughs) It's incredible, Nara. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm a tech
1: person. This helped me change the defaults of what I thought I was and upgrading that operating system. And it's it's not a temporary thing. This is just how I am now. It's not, you can't fake it. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's what you're picking up. It's
0: that. So again, thank you so much. Yay. Okay. Thank you. Till next time, everybody.